And I appreciate him. Psalms 22. Turn in your Bible there. We're going to have a lot of scriptures to turn to. So lick your fingers. Get them ready. Have you a marker. While you're turning, let me uh, invite our audience to our Easter Sunday morning service, the 17th of April. At 10 o'clock, we're having the Kittle Family Quartet from Cincinnati, Ohio. And uh, we hope you'll come, bring somebody with you. This will be a good time. Come and visit our church and see if we haven't been telling you the truth when we say it's the friendliest church you'll ever walk inside of. All right. Psalms 22, I'm preaching on this subject, a preview of Calvary. A preview of Calvary. Again, this was written at least 1,800 years before the birth of Christ. And it describes in detail the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Proven that the Word of God is true. The divine, inspired Word of God. Psalms 22 has been called the fifth gospel because it describes the crucifixion of the Lord that is found in the other four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In this message, I want to ask and answer this question. Who crucified Jesus? Who crucified Jesus? Who was responsible for his death. Let me give you about three or four that I believe will answer the question, who crucified Jesus? First of all, it was by the holy hands of God the Father. It was by the holy hands of God the Father. Look with me in Psalms 22 verse 1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? For the first time in all eternity, we have a separation in the Trinity. God the Father, forsaking, separated from God the Son. It's a word of abandonment. Abandonment. Look, look, look what he said. Why art thou so far from helping me? and from the words of my roaring or groaning. Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night session, and am not silent. The day and night represents the time that Christ was on the cross. They nailed him to the cross at nine o'clock in the morning. He hung on that cross for six torturous hours until three in the afternoon, and in that afternoon session when he was suffering the wrath of God that do our sins, it was black, black. It was like an eclipse of the sun. God blacked out the sun as if to say, what's going to take place now is between me and my son. Now you've all witnessed the torture from the Roman soldiers, the crown of thorns, the beating of the long Roman cat of nine tails, uh, the plucking of the beard, the smiting in the face, the spitting in his face, uh, and all that. But he said, what's going to take place now? 
is only between me and my son. This is the real suffering of the cross. You see, any criminal that was guilty of a capital crime was crucified. And so there was many that went through crucifixion, but nobody died like Jesus. Because in that time of darkness, those hours of darkness, when God turned his back upon his only begotten son, Jesus felt the equivalent of our hell. God poured out his judgment of our sins on Christ. God poured out his wrath due our sins on Jesus Christ. No wonder he cried, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, Hold your place here. Hold your place here now. And let's look in the book of Isaiah, chapter 53. Isaiah, chapter 53. And look at verse 4. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs. See, that's, that means he, it's all of God. God was in control of the whole situation and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, watch this, smitten of God. That's who crucified him, his father. Smitten of God and afflicted. Verse 5 says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. Look down at verse number 10. Yet it pleased the Lord, that's Jehovah God, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. That word bruise means to crush. He God hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see a seed. That's you and I. (laughs) That's all of us that are saved. He shall see a seed. He shall prolong his days. That's the resurrection. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. Turn with me to Matthew 27. And, and we're going to be going a lot to Matthew. So keep a bookmarker there in Matthew. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 46. Matthew's gospel chapter 27 and verse 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabbathani. That is to say, here it is, 1800 years later, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Keep your marker there. We'll be back. Acts chapter number 2. Acts number 2 and verse 23. Acts 2, 23. Him, that's Jesus, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. See that? It wasn't by accident or coincidence. 
It was ordained, determined, counsel means to be ordained or predestined for, uh, by the foreknowledge of Almighty God. It was in God's plan from eon to eon beginning that Christ would die for our sins. So first of all, who put Jesus on the cross? It was by the holy hands of God the Father. Secondly, it was by the hateful hands of men. The hateful hands of men. Did you see that in the latter part of Acts? Did you see that in Acts chapter 2? Let's read on where it says, Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken. See, they're responsible for what they did. Ye have taken. And by wicked hands, see, they're responsibility of man. They did it. Ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Yes, it was all in God's eternal plan for Christ to be crucified. But God's word says, but you've done it. You're responsible for his death. Now let's go back to Psalms 22 and see if that's not true. Psalms chapter 22 And uh, if you would, look with me at verse 6. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. You see, when they put Jesus on the cross, he didn't have that linen cloth around him like you see in pictures. But they crucified criminals naked to add insult to insult, bring shame. They crucified them naked on the cross. And that's what he's talking about. He said, they laugh at me. They, they shoot out the lip, which means showing contempt. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, he trusted in, on the Lord that he sh- should, would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighteth in him. (laughs) Well, now, that was written 1,800 years before it actually happened, but let's look and see when it happened. Would you look with me at um, Job? Remember that word worm in verse 6, a worm? Does that sound familiar to you? At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rode away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I'm happy all the way. And then another verse says, for such a worm as I. Yeah. Now some of the modernists, some of the Methodists and all, that they've taken the word out of the songbook, worm, and put it, a sinner such as I. Well, that's a sinner but the Word of God says worm. By the way, you know the Methodist Church had a big split. You hear that on the Christian radio station? Big split. Over what? Ordaining homosexuals. Now, they've been ordaining women preachers for years, but now they're ordaining ordaining lesbians and homosexuals. And there's a big split. There's a group of them that had enough uh, knowledge of the Bible and leading of the Holy Spirit, and they said, we'll not stand for this, and they split off. And that's happened in a lot of major groups. Uh, how many of you listened to J. Vernon McGee on Christian Radio? J. Vernon McGee was a Presbyterian. 
in his testimony. You can bring it up on your phone. He said the Presbyterians got so liberal, I had to leave them, get away from them. And um, before he died, he was um, non-denominational. But he split off from the uh, Presbyterian church. Look, look at this now, about the word worm in Job. Look, look with me in Job chapter number uh, 25. Job chapter 25, and look with me at verse 6. Job 25, verse 6. How much less man that is a worm and the son of man which is a worm. Now, that's how they perceive Jesus, just a worm. But there's another good scripture I want you to see. Keep in mind we're talking about a worm. Look at Isaiah Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter number 1. Here's the scripture that was being preached when my friend Bobby Lakes got saved. Chapter 1 of Isaiah, verse 18. Come now. That's an invitation. Let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Crimson is red. It can stand for our sins, because it says so, though your sins be as scarlet. But crimson red is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ, who shed His blood on the cross to cleanse us from the scarlet red sins of our life. How do they make crimson? From a worm. A despisable creature. A worm. That grows on certain kinds of trees. And it kills the trees. And they take that worm and they crush it. And from that worm comes this Secrets that makes crimson die. That's how they get crimson in the Bible, by this worm. Ladies and gentlemen, may I say that if Christ in the Bible was made a worm for us, and he was crushed on a tree, and from that, whoo, I'm about to have a spell, and from that tree came the blood, the rich royal blood of Jesus Crimson flow, amen, that covers our sins. What shall wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Look with me in, uh, back in Matthew 27. Matthew 27, verse 38. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand, the other on the left. And they that passed by reviled him. That means blasphemed him. Wagging their heads. And that what we saw in Psalms, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, in uh, Psalms 22, 6 through 8. Wagging their heads and saying, here it is. Here's a direct quote from Psalms, uh, chapter number. Uh, listen to it. 
Psalms 22, verse 6 through 8 says, saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself if thou be the Son of God. Come down from the cross. I'm glad he didn't come down. (laughs) He could have. He could have called 10,000 angels. But he said, if you are the Son of God, hear that if, that doubt, come down and we'll believe on you. Come down and save yourself and us, the thief on the cross said. But he couldn't. You understand, he couldn't save himself and us. If he had saved his own self and not died for our sins, we couldn't have been saved and we'd all die and go to hell. Well, let's look at that. Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. Luke's gospel, chapter 23. Verse 36, here's the the thief on the cross. Luke chapter 23, 36, And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, which is sired wine, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. Down 38, 39. And one of the male factors which were hanged railed at him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. See that? And that's impossible. He cannot save himself and us. Look at verse 39. Well, let's stop right there. We'll save the less for later. So we see the great questions. Who crucified Jesus? Number one is by the holy hands uh, of God the Father. Secondly, it was by the hateful hands of sinful men. But here's the best part. It was by the hell-bound hands of you and me. Yes. In a very real sense, it was us that put Him on the cross. We all had a part. It was us that drove those nails through his hands and feet. It was us that crowned him with thorns. It was us that plucked his beard and spit in his face. It was us that beat him in the face till he didn't look like a human. It was us that ran the spear in his side. It was us. When the great artist Rembrandt painted the scene around the cross. He also included faces in the crowd. crowd. And he included his own face in that crowd. What a great painting that would have, that be. Because he's saying, I was there. I was there. I'm the one that hollered, crucify him, crucify him. I'm the responsible. For he was dying in our place. Now let me ask you this and I'm through. Why were we guilty of his death on the cross? Three reasons. Number one, because we were sinners. The Bible says in Romans 3, 23a, For all have sinned and come short 
of the glory of God. Romans 5, 6 says, For when we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly, for scarcely will a righteous man would do unto him die, yet preadventure for a good man would one even dare to die. But God commendeth his love towards us, that while we were what? Yet sinners. Christ died for us. While we were sinners, Romans 5, 6 through 8 tells us. Not only because we were sinners, because we needed a substitute. Because we needed a substitute. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Let's read that one. That's a good one. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Here's that great exchange that took place. That our sins were put upon Christ so that His perfect life and righteousness could be put upon us. That's how we get saved. That's how we go to heaven. Now now look at it now. 2 Corinthians and chapter number 5, verse 21. For he hath made him, that's God, he had made Christ, him, to be sin for us. See that? He took all of our sins upon himself and became sin for us. Who knew no sin. No, he was innocent, perfect. He knew no sin. And why did he do that? Why did he take our sins upon us and pay for them on the cross? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's the only way you're going to go to heaven, folks. You've got to have on his righteousness. The righteousness of Christ. How do you get that? By repenting and trusting him as your Lord and Savior. Believing that he took your sins upon himself and paid the sin debt that you and I owed. He was taken down and buried in a borrowed tomb and rose again the third day. Number three, why did we crucify Christ? Because we needed salvation. Now back to Luke and I'm through. We needed salvation. Luke chapter 23 and verse 34. Luke 23, 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He could have said, Father, condemn them. He could have said, Father, Judge them. But he didn't. Instead, he prayed for our forgiveness. Why? In fulfillment of prophecy. In fulfillment of prophecy. Look with me at the prophecy. Isaiah 53, 22. Isaiah 53, 22. No, that's not what I want. Make that 12. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. Watch this. He was numbered with 
the transgressors. Who are that? The two thieves on the cross. 1,800 years before it happened, Isaiah prophesied he would die with the transgressors. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. Let me read that again. Go back to Luke chapter 23. Let me finish up. Luke 23. Luke chapter 23. And look, let's look at um, verse 39. And one of the male factors which were hanged railed at him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other, that's the one that repented, but the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing that thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, we're getting justice. We're getting just what we deserve. For we have received the due reward of our deeds. But this man, the man on the middle cross, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto him, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, I say unto thee, today, not tomorrow, today shall thou be with me in Paradise. Why did he get saved? Because he prayed, Father, forgive them. And one of the thieves on the cross got saved. (laughs) The dying thief that was saved, that repented, was the last companion Jesus had on this earth and the first companion he had in heaven. Think about that. Think about that. One more scripture and I'm through. Matthew 27. Matthew 27, 54. Matthew 27, 54. Now when the centurion, he's the one in charge of the soldiers that crucified Jesus. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things which were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, This was the Son of God. We know of at least two got saved uh, when Jesus was on the cross because he prayed for his persecutors. Father, forgive them. Thief was saved and the man in charge of the hundred Roman soldiers that crucified him was saved that day. Truly, thou art the Son of God. What about you? Do you know the Son of God? I don't mean know about him. Do you know him intimately? Do you know him in your heart? Have you repented and asked God to forgive you and turn from your wicked ways? See yourself a lost sinner and on your way to hell. And doing that you believe that he died, was buried, and rose again for you. And that moment you trust him as your savior. Could you do that? You watching by the internet, you need to be saved. I was so happy to hear last week that someone watching our program got saved. We'd like to know about it. We'd like to rejoice with you that you're now part of our family. And you here today, if you'll trust the Lord as your Savior, come and let me talk to you. Let me pray with you, counsel with you, answer any questions you have. Maybe you need to join the church, move your membership, whatever you need to do.